I think that, that actually probably can lead us quite nicely into the shorter term red point stuff because that can sometimes be a break from this really long seasonal stuff. Um, but in terms of the kind of that long sieging, long term red point stuff, uh, we hope that what you know me and Ella have talked about there has been useful to you and you found that interesting. Um, we're always happy to um, see in the comments as well if you have other additional topics that you'd like covered in that area or you've got questions in it. Uh, I quite often go onto YouTube and answer those questions. So very happy for you to put additional questions in on the comments below um, and I'll try and get to those um, in addition. But I think we can probably move on to the, the next part of this uh, um, video or series um, to do with red pointing. Um, and that question now is short-term red pointing. So we've got one to two weeks on a trip. You're working on a root red point, a boulder red point. You've probably got anywhere between six to maybe eight sessions, maybe 10 sessions. You're really good on skin and energy um, on one to two weeks. What do we think about the strategy, our tips? What would we, how would we deal with this? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been in that zone when in previous live or my life, um, I've had maybe two, two week trips a year to go away. So I very much lived through that. Um, and I think it's, it is tricky because it, I think the first thing you need to do is work out what your goals and aims are for those trips. So setting advance. expectations. Definitely managing expectations because I think I've been guilty in the past of wanting to do everything because you work really hard. Yeah. You've got a, a lot of hours in, in your job. I've, I've been in that situation. And so you put a lot of emphasis on those two or three trips in the year. Um, and it means you just want to run at everything. You get, you get to Spain or whatever, wherever it is that your trip is and you want to do a limit level red point. You want to do loads of quick ticks. You want to have good flash goes at things as well. And you want to on-site, you know. And it's just, as, as harsh as it sounds, it's, it's just not realistic. And I, and I don't think it works. So I think it's really important to think, right, what am I going to get out of this trip? Like, and how Im I think for, as well, how important is it for you to take something away from that trip in terms of, is it important for you to feel like you've sent something? Because um, I think I've been in situations or I've had clients who've been in situations where they haven't really thought about that. And then they've got partway through the trip and thought, crikey, I haven't sent this thing that I want to send and I might not come away with anything and that'll be really hard on my head. Um, so I think if you think in advance, do I want, and I don't really like the term safety tick, but it gets banded around, doesn't it? A bit of a something to get you settled into the trip that's, yeah. you know, maybe one to two sessions or, or, or quite within your comfort zone. Sometimes can be quite a nice thing to do early on on a short trip so that then if you get on something else that's a bit harder and pushing you with a risk that you might not do it, um, that's okay. I don't know whether you've ever had that kind of experience. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've gone through, I think, probably a bit of a journey on this over the years is that um, because I've, I've done a lot of traveling, a lot of you know, short-term projecting on trips as well, um, and having prepared and trained really hard for those trips, and I've really wanted something out of it, is I'd say earlier on in my climbing career, I was very much of that safety tick mindset. I kind of just needed to get something under my belt, Often it was almost getting confidence that I could get my flow on rock and I knew that I could get somewhere close to my limit. So 
I call that sort of like the last 5% band of performance. So I get into the groove quickly and early on that trip to do it. And then I would work on the larger scale thing and I'd be prepared to, you know, maybe walk away from it because I'd still had one or two good ticks earlier on the trip. Yeah. But now as I've gone later in my climbing career and, and I've done a lot of that, I'm so okay with having a, what you would class as a disaster trip yeah. where I don't do anything. And yeah. I've had a few of those actually in recent years and I've gone, oh, well, that didn't work out at all, did it? And, but because I've gone in, into it with the expectation that I'm okay with that, yeah. I've made sure that every day I've put into the day things which I know are personally rewarding. Mm -hmm. So I'm very careful to make sure that my partners I go away on my trip are really rewarding people to hang out with. Yeah. I make sure that I think about my learning points on my trip yeah. and experiences that I take away from it. Yeah. So that even if I walk away with nothing, I go, oh, I just enjoyed hanging out with that yeah. person. I saw some cool stuff. I met some locals. I looked at some, you know, I, I think probably I'm sounding half middle-aged here, but if I've learned something about the local history, the local culture, yeah. I've enjoyed that. And it's yeah. just as successful as yeah. stuff, you know, five years ago. Definitely. Um, I, think, I think you're right on that. I think as you build up more experience, then things like that matter less. Um, but I guess if it is going to bother you and all the extra joy around climbing outside and with other people perhaps isn't quite enough for you at your point of climbing, then really do make a conscious decision over what you're going to get on. Um, it could be if you've only got a week, and I've done this before, I've gone out to scope something, but I've gone out knowing I'm only going to scope. Like I'm mm. going to get on something that's too hard for me at this point in time and see how it is and then come back for another week trip later on. And that was okay in my head because I'd gone with no expectations whatsoever. Um, but equally, I think if you, if you do want to do a volume and you've only got one to two weeks, then maybe think about working out what that level is for you. Um, and it might be lower than you want it to be. Yeah. But if you've built up a, like a volume of experience, sort of like middle of your pyramid rather than necessarily a top end, then that's going to do a lot of good for your climbing as well. Um, so try and think about it that way in a slightly longer term rather than just putting everything on that one trip as well. Because the weather also, you know, you're potentially at the mercy of the weather when you've only got one or two weeks. Um, so, yeah, I think trying not to let it be the be all and end all when you've got only those short windows of time and manage those expectations is really valuable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I, if I, let's say me and you, we've gone away on a trip. We never go away on trips, but we've gone away on a trip together. Know, we went to Chile in February. Actually, we did go away on one trip together, didn't we? <laughs> For did we climb days. together? Once, I think, one day, yeah. Oh, did we? Yeah, yeah. Was it a disaster and then we never climbed again? <laughs> <laughs> I can't quite remember. Um, I don't think it was a disaster. We both climbed a route second row. Oh, did we? Yeah. Ah. Oh. Tina and Tom, yes. <laughs> they both looked really shaky. <laughs> 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 that doesn't matter, nobody was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, that's good. <laughs> so we're on a trip. We've gone away, it's a rare circumstance, and we've both chosen, we're out there, and we're like, okay, this is great looking, eight bolt, eight B. Yeah. And we think that we can tick this in our two week trip. Yeah. And let's say we guesstimate three to four sessions per week. So somewhere between six and eight sessions, depending on skin and energy yeah. and all those sort of things. Where do you start? Like, we've just turned up at the crag, great looking eight B, what happens first? Well, I guess for me it depends on, is that crag one where I'm used to the style? Have I done anything recently 
that means that I'm quite familiar with rock and, and moving quite well? Because if the answer is yes, then I don't really have much of an issue with getting straight on it and working out the moves and Same seeing here. what I'm up against. Um, yep. Whereas if I'm straight out of a winter of training and it's been mostly indoors, as it often is in the UK, I'll just want to get into the flow of climbing a little bit. So I might consciously spend a bit of time getting on warm-up sort of level routes um, where there's no pressure whatsoever and then put some time into the route. It's always a balance. You don't want to do that too much because then if you get on the route a bit too late and you haven't given yourself enough of a window. Um, one thing I've, I've sort of done in the past with that is day one, get on the route, see what you're up against, get on the moves, but then day two, perhaps just focus on a bit of getting into the headspace of climbing outside again, yeah. doing things that are zero pressure, etc., um, that are well within you. Um, but then I think it's making sure you don't do that. I think it can be quite easy to think day one on the prod, day two, getting on other things, day three, rest, repeat. But there comes a point when you have to start transitioning to putting more emphasis on the project as well mm. and not waiting too long to do that. I yeah. don't know whether you agree with me on that. I, I'd say I'm very, very similar. Uh, it kind of depends on what the crag's like, whether I've been there before. But I will almost always make sure that I do something on that project on the first day, even if, I mean, sometimes I've even abbed down a line if it's not too steep and just gone down and brushed and felt all the holes and felt positions just because I kind of want to get it in my head, like get psyched, even if I don't feel like I'm up for climbing on that first day, um, just to kind of just get, breed some familiarity. Yeah. Um, but certainly I think one important thing is that when I first got that route, I tend to be reasonably heavy on a clip stick yeah. and like dogging tactics. So yeah. clip stick, I pull on the drawers, I try and waste zero skin of like slapping for stuff, especially on pockets. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than wrecking your skin. On day one. <laughs> or, you know, like tweaking your bicep because yeah. you threw for something yeah. a bit too early on. I don't see many people do that. I don't know about you. I think I'm always surprised how few people, when they're first getting on a hard project, actually take that quite tactical approach. Yeah, I know. And we'll just have a go at a sequence and fall off again and again. And even pulling up a rope, particularly if you're on a steep climb, is knackering. Um, if you've got a light B layer as well, it's even harder. Um, I've been on the receiving end of some, some pretty unhappy people who are heavier than me when they're having to pull up the rope a lot. Um, so I totally agree. Like, there is no, I think some people might sort of think, oh, I don't really want to be seen to be clip sticking up this route and you know there are other coaches out there who say try and avoid using the clipstick too much but I think as long as you're using it with intent so you're doing it because you're trying to save energy to get up the route rather than doing it because you're scared of falling um so you know obviously on easier level routes you might deliberately not take your clipstick because you want to push through and you want to get your head used to pushing above bolts when you don't know the terrain mm. but on a limit level red point yeah, makes yeah, such a lot yeah. of sense. And it'll save you so much energy. And when it, for me, when it comes to the, um, r the falling and you know, exposure and things like that, that element of the climbing, and I always struggle this with the trips, unless I've been literally climbing four or five days a week leading up until the trip, is that I tend to split that out into, um, I'll do my falling and exposure working early on in the trip on the the warm-ups and like really easy grade just to kind of get that terrain done and then 
but I'll be quite careful to also put that falling element into the Redpoint project early on the trip, just on the specific bits where I feel like I might be missing a clip yeah. or running something out or clipping really late yeah. so that when I get into the last two days when I'm going for it, I'm not still thinking, oh, I cannot fall off here. I'm freaking <laughs> out about it. That would be a it. horrible fall if I yeah. tried to take it. Exactly, yeah. like getting that covered early, like in yeah. the middle section of the, the trip. Yeah, and I think working out those clipping positions as well so that you're being honest with yourself am i clipping too early because i'm a bit nervous about the fall rather than just waiting a move later or getting established on a bit of a rest before you clip um i found that that's made a massive difference as well and sometimes it's hard to be conscious of it until you sort of really break it down mm. um what, what do you think to extending drawers i have no problem with that i'm yeah. five foot four yeah. but bolt their uh, roots aren't bolted sometimes for for someone of my height so I've done some pretty big extensions sometimes. Um, even ones where I haven't done it yet, but I've contemplated duct taping the end of the drawer to the rock just oh, so yeah. that I can, you know, if it's on a really steep route, yeah. just so that I can clip it. Yeah. Um, that will come one day, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, though, is I, I think a lot of people aren't aware of some of the really advanced tactics that you can deploy from really heavy, long red points back into short trips. Um, like, I've done stuff around having... Um, like the rope, so I work out like the, the weight of the rope and how hard it is to pull it up for things, and I'll adjust the length of my drawers so that I have barely any yeah. rope to drag up on stuff, not because I want to get a different clipping position in terms of how the climbing's going, but just how much effort it is yeah. to pull the rope up, and it's, it sort of sounds like the sort of thing you do only on very long-term projects, but if you take your time mm -hmm. on a short trip project, you can get the same stuff done. Yeah. And it takes no effort to do that because you can just be clipped in on a rope and you can ask your partner to lower you down. You can play around with distances and you can do all of that. So you don't waste any energy. Yeah. You're literally just using time yeah. and fun, hopefully, yeah. um, whilst you're away on a trip to work out those, those advanced yeah. tactics. That and remembering which way the gate is ideal for you as oh, well. Yeah. I've, oh, that makes such a difference. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think other little tactics as well, just, you know, have you got the, the right sequence? Have you used the right footholds? It sounds obvious, but sometimes I think when you're on a short trip, you have a, it can be tempting to think, oh, I can do that sequence. I've done it. I've not got much time, so that's it. That's done in my head. I'm going to just roll with it. Um, I think spending that extra little bit of... This is, this is my preference, and I, I know there are others that I'll, I'll talk about in, uh, who take a different approach, but for me, I think it makes sense if you're going to spend... If you've got this hypothetical 8B there's eight bolts and you've got two weeks to try and do it, it makes sense to make sure that you have got the right resting positions. You know, are there any knee scums that might help you? Are there any knee bars? You know, how long do you want to spend in that rest? I think that's a massive one as well mm -hmm. um, because there's some rests where you only have like a limited window of time before you're just dropping off again. Um, but then there are other rests where you can camp out and it's, it's about not getting too cold in them. I'd say working the rests. Yeah. People don't do that enough. Nope. Got to work the rest. Yeah. You'll be you amazed at how much that will improve. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. You can almost feel like you got stronger and fitter in the middle of the trip by just working a rest. It's yeah. suddenly, it's really freaky how much, I'm still actually surprised about that this many years later. Just how much it makes a difference. How much it improves. Yeah, yeah. It's like relaxation, yeah. how you control your breathing, how you, you know, you drag your skin on the hold, differences in hip position. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I think it's sort of under underused as well as a tactic yeah. um, but I think the other thing that the other sort of style of red pointing 
that some people just prefer is, is what I call fudge pointing. Yeah. Um, where perhaps, un, unlike myself, you might not work the route as much and you might think, right, I've got my Vita. I'm going to have more fun if I start having goes earlier. And I think the potential advantage of that is that you send the route fairly early on in the trip and then you can move on to something else. But I think it's also a bit of a gamble because it means that you might not do it because you haven't worked it and you haven't got the beta that you want. So mm -hmm. I think some people's personalities, I think, just want the fun and the uncertainty <laughs> of, you know, giving it, giving it a go when they're not entirely comfortable or can't quite remember all their micro beta mm. or they haven't established it. Um, but I'm definitely in the be prepared camp. Yeah, yeah. How about you? I would probably say that um, people who tend to rush stuff and go too quickly should be better at doing the more heavily refined red point strategy and trying that out more and then the people that are always just never want to go for anything until you've got it utterly refined should go for more fudge pointing and just messy red point making mistakes and getting familiar with that yeah. um like pete who i climb with he's always complaining at me that i go for stuff too early oh, really but i just love the mess <laughs> I, I, I think I appear quite strategic and very organised in some yeah. senses, but I also love just a bit of a disaster. Yeah. Because um, I find it funny yeah. to me. I don't know why I find it funny, because it's kind of dismaying when I fall off and don't get the route done. But I, I need to spend more time refining stuff perfectly yeah. on these trips. I'm actually yeah. very good at refining things to perfection ho at home. Yeah. But on trips, I'm too you, rushing. Do you find that you do that only on things that aren't truly at your limit, though? No. No, right, okay. <laughs> Which is kind of poor thing, as I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. Okay. Um, but it, it's because of my, I think it just comes down to a personality thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've probably seen that with me at work. I, I'm not scared of just going for something. Yeah. And often I know that other people in the Lattice team are like, Tom, you should probably just check that out a little bit more. But I'll just go for it because yeah. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's that personality matchup. But you're right. I think it's always, if you can be aware that that's who you are and then sometimes trying other approaches, then hopefully that will do you sort of good when it does come to real limit projects. If, and you can work out, oh, actually, no, today I'm going to be a little bit different in my approach. Yeah. yeah okay, quick fire to finish. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and, uh, and these are just quick fire questions. You ready? Okay. Okay, liquid chalk or normal chalk? Normal. Liquid makes my skin sore. Okay. Clipstick or one of those massive, long, stiff drawers that you can wing into uh, the drawer? Always a clipstick. It's more, it's more versatile. Okay. Lightweight harness or heavy harness with more loops and options to hang stuff off you? I have two. I have one for working and one for red pointing. Oh, good <laughs> answer. I have two. <laughs> uh, thin rope or thick rope for confidence? Uh, thick rope for working because it's likely to get trashed. Uh, and thin rope when I'm on red point. So I take two ropes. Okay. You can tell what kind of person I am. <laughs> yep, I like this. Uh, thick, chunky quick draws or thin, ultra light quick draws? Oh, for red pointing, thick and chunky. As long as I'm not putting them in on the red point. So if I'm going on a trip, I might leave them in there for the duration of the trip, unless there's in situs. Um, yeah. And first clip, clip pre-clipped or first and second clip? pre-clipped generally first but if depends on the route if there's a deck potential and everyone clips the second then i have no qualms about doing that yeah brilliant <laughs> bit more insight into ella's brain love it <laughs> 
should I do it back to you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't ask me. I'll, I'll say all sorts of controversial things. I'll get myself into trouble. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Well, I think that sort of takes us to the end there. Um, so we hope that uh, you've really enjoyed that uh, chat um, about red pointing projecting um, and you've learned something new. Always drop stuff into the comments if you want to know more, you want more feedback um, to things that you'd like us to do differently or additional in the future. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the channel because um, then you can get notifications and you can see our latest content. We generally try and bring out video at least twice a week. Um, and otherwise, we'll see you again very soon.